Our text this morning, Second Chronicles chapter 20. I've enjoyed studying this chapter uh, for the last two weeks. Um, not, not only studied it alone, I've studied it with some friends as well this week. So some of you may have already been through this chapter, and hopefully it'll be a blessing on the second time around as well. It's, uh, it's kind of a Father's Day challenge, attributes of a godly father. Does anybody need a copy of the notes? Um, our, our ushers have plenty of copies there in the back. Need a copy of uh, the notes? Just raise your hand and our ushers can get you one. <clears throat> Father's Day is in June. I don't get to speak in June, so we're doing the Father's Day message in February. Uh, but dads, I think I speak for all of us when I say what, we don't need to be challenged once a year, amen? We need to be challenged each week to be in God's Word and listen to what God's Word is telling us. How do we as dads, how do we as leaders of our home respond to bad news? How do we respond to impossible situations? And if we respond incorrectly, or if we respond poorly, if we respond in a non-biblical manner, can it be a surprise to us then if our kids follow suit? And so they are watching. They are looking to us for an example. What impossible news have you been faced with this week? What impossible situation is going on in your life? And sometimes... It's a health crisis, sometimes it's a relational crisis, sometimes it's a spiritual crisis. If I was to ask uh, Daniel, Daniel and Chloe Newton, <clears throat> what's going on in your life recently that would be an impossible situation? And of course we all know what that is, their, their young daughter is, is battling cancer. If we were to ask Don, I had a chance to visit with Don for a couple hours this week. Don, what, what hard situation are you facing? Well, he's, he's grieving the loss of his wife of 58 years. That's not, a, that's not an easy thing to go through. That's very difficult. If I was to ask Dave, what, what are you going through, Dave? He would say the same thing. I'm grieving the loss of a loved one. So what, in, what impossible, what hard situation are you going through? And it's okay, it's okay to hurt. How are we responding? Well, if you respond with hurt, it's okay. It's okay to be hurt. Hurting is not weakness. And I hope that's one of the things that we see in this passage. Jehoshaphat is the guy that we're studying. I don't know if that's a... Per the, the correct pronunciation of his name. I don't think he cares. There's not too many modern people called Jehoshaphat, so we're just going to go with that. Chapter 20, verse 1, It came to pass also, it came to pass after this also, that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, with them, other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee, from beyond the sea in this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared 
And he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So number one, number one, he was human. He was human. How did he respond to this impossible news? What was the news that he just got? You are surrounded. Of course, he's the king of Judah. You are surrounded. Your nation is surrounded by people that want to destroy you. That's your bad news. How did he respond to that? But I, I found, this, this may sound weird, but I found comfort in the fact that he responded with fear. What the very next phrase, and Jehoshaphat, what? Feared. He was afraid. Um, is, is it, dads, is it okay to be afraid? Is it okay to be afraid? And I think that that is okay. And somehow, somewhere in our culture, we missed that. I think we missed the day when it was taught that we could be afraid. It's okay to be afraid. And if you respond correctly to fear, if you respond correctly to impossible situations like this, your kids will watch that. Your kids will see that that is modeled. So he received bad news. He responded with fear. In fact, why do we, why do we want to balk at admitting fear? Why are we afraid of admitting to our family, to the people that we are leading, that we are afraid? Because of pride, usually. We want to give this impression, as a dad, I'm not afraid of anything. Or King Jehoshaphat may have wanted to give the impression, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm your king. I'm your leader. I will not let you down. But there's something to be said for humbly admitting that you're afraid. Humbly admitting that you don't have all the answers. And I, <clears throat> I run into a lot of kids because I, I deal with kids all week. Some, some don't think it's okay to be afraid. Some don't think it's okay to admit that. And dads, I, I think it'd be wise for us to model that. How do we respond when we are afraid? Well, he admitted that he was afraid. And then he did what? What's the very next phrase? He set himself to seek who? The Lord. He set himself to seek the Lord. Is that a good response to being afraid? That's a great response. And would it be good for us as dads to model that to our kids? He set himself, or he set in the ESV, I think it says, he set his face to seek the Lord. His response was not a public or is not a private one, though. Do you notice that? His response was a very public one. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Why? Because they had a leader that pointed them in that direction. We're all afraid. We're surrounded by people who want to destroy us, but we're going to seek the Lord. What a great model. What a great example. But he didn't do it privately. It was publicly in order to give confidence to the inhabitants of Judah. And dads, I, 
private prayer, private fasting, is obviously a big deal. That is obviously necessary. But there are also times, as we see in this passage, that doing it publicly sets an example for the people that you are in leadership over. And they see it modeled. They see how it's done correctly. And Jehoshaphat said, as the king, I am declaring that we are all going to fast. We are all going to seek God's face, not just me, everyone. Everyone's involved. I love that. How could have he, how could he have responded? He responded by saying, we're going to fast, we're going to pray. He could have panicked. He could have exuded false courage. He could have just worried about it. He could have uh, sought after human counsel. But he didn't. He publicly encouraged the nation of Judah to seek the Lord. Dads, how can we do that in our own families? Can we publicly encourage our families, gather together around the dinner table, and say, we are faced with an impossible situation here, but here is how we are going to respond. We're going to set our face to seek the Lord. Think your kids would ever forget that? No. No, they wouldn't. So number one, he was human. I remind myself of that often. It's okay. It's okay to be afraid. And dads, has your family seen that you are okay with being afraid? Has your family seen you fasting and praying and crying out to God in an impossible situation? I hope so. Number two is found in verses 5 through 12. He was humble. He was not only human, he was humble. So verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. Again, is this a private prayer? N not at all. This is very public in front of everyone. And he said, O Lord God, of our fathers, art thou God in heaven? Art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. He's reminding all of the people of Judah of who God is, recalling his attributes. Omniscience, omnipotence. Verse 6, and, and, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, art, thou, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand there is not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people of Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If... When evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. So all the way through verses 5 through 12, he is recalling times of past deliverance. He is reminding the people under his authority, God has not let us down in the past. Do we often need reminded of that? Does our family need to be reminded of that? 
very much so. And then in verse 12, let's skip down to 12. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. What is he saying there? We are powerless. Well, that's not something you want to hear out of your king, is it? If you are surrounded by an enemy that wants to destroy you, and your king says, we are powerless. Is that something that we want to admit as dads? Don't we want to appear like we have the power to accomplish anything? Your kids come upstairs and say, Dad, there's a little bird flying around downstairs. Yeah, I'm powerful enough to tackle that bat. I'm not afraid of that bat. I'm going to go downstairs and show that bat who's boss. We want to give that impression to our family. Nothing, nothing scares us. We have the power to accomplish anything. But is, is that correct? Is that true? And Jehoshaphat here in this situation, he could have just said, you know what? We've got this under control. He did have a mighty army, an incredible army. If you read earlier in Second Chronicles, just a, the most powerful army on earth. But he admitted, he admitted that he was powerless. I have no might against this horde. That's humility. That's, that's showing humility. So number one, he was human. He was okay. He was okay with admitting that he was afraid. Number two, he was humble. Number two, he was humble. Number three, if you're taking notes, he was honest. He was honest. Let's go back to verse 12 for a second. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against them, this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on Jesus Christ. And how powerful is that for a dad to admit that? I don't know what to do. That's, we're so trained not to say that. And as a, as a coach, we had a really good game here on Thursday night, a tough game with the top team in our conference, a close game the whole way. And it, it, some of those later timeouts in the game, it's just loud and there's a lot of yelling and a lot of stress. And if I was to grab the attention of my basketball players and just say, as your leader, I got to tell you, I don't have a clue what we're going to do. <laughs> they don't want to hear that. I don't have the foggiest idea what we're doing here. No, they don't want to hear that. But are there times where it's okay to admit that to your family? You know what? Around a family table, a family discussion, you're faced with an impossible situation. I don't necessarily know what we're going to do, but our eyes are heavenward. They need that. They need to hear that, and they need to see that demonstrated. That takes humility. It also takes a lot of honesty. What kind of a dad admits that he doesn't know what to do? A humble one. 
and an honest one. And that's what Jehoshaphat was modeling here to his people in Judah. It's okay to admit that we don't know what to do next. I don't have all the answers, but I know that we're going to seek the Lord. Verse 13. Maybe the most powerful verse in the whole story. Someone is always watching. We're still under number three, though. Honest, if you're taking notes. And all Judah stood before the Lord, get this, with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Someone's always watching. And in this case, the kids. The kids were all there watching what Jehoshaphat is going to do. That's no place for kids, right? It's a war zone. They're they're surrounded by people that want to destroy them, and they've got kids there watching what Jehoshaphat's going to do. Moms, how many of you would keep your kids in that environment? How many would run? How many would run from that environment? You're standing there hand in hand with your kids. We're surrounded by an enemy, and our leader just said, I quote, I don't know what to do. Are you standing there with your kids? Going, oh, this is great. <coughs> what do you do? You run. But the kids were watching. The kids were watching. What is going to happen next? Boy, there's a few times in your life where there is low-hanging fruit when it comes to teaching opportunities. This is one of them. This was a great teaching opportunity. The wives, the toddlers, the infants, the kids, they're all there. Don't miss opportunities like that because they're rare. They don't happen every day. But opportunity to show that God is going to come through, God is going to deliver, even though we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We don't necessarily know what to do. Can you imagine what these kids are saying? That they're thinking in their minds. Just how does dad normally respond to an impossible situation? Well, now this is starting to hurt, isn't it? Now this is starting to get convicting. Why don't you just move on to something else, Steve? But how does dad normally respond to an impossible situation? Well, if you have a wrench in your hand, <laughs> where does that wrench go? Yeah, it, a lot of times it goes airborne. If you are in the car and you're faced with an impossible situation or a stressful situation, uh, a lot of times that engine gets revved a little bit more than probably you should. Um, it just, a lot of times our kids have seen an incorrect response to stress, an incorrect response to an impossible situation. And don't think that they forget those. They, they remember those. I would imagine that the kids in this story remember this for the rest of their lives. How did King Jehoshaphat respond when things were looking really bleak? And by God's grace, dads, I hope we respond the same way that he did. I hope we respond the same way that he did. Because wouldn't it be a blessing later on, years down the road, 
to hear your, your kids testify of a situation that happened in your home as you were bringing them up, a testify of an impossible situation where we stopped, we prayed, we fasted, we sought the Lord, we humbly admitted we didn't know what to do, but we sought the Lord, and he came through. He's never let us down. Your kids never forget that. This is no place for kids in this story, but it is. It's recorded right here in verse 13. All Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Dads, remember, someone's always watching. Someone's always watching. How often have they repeated some of the things that you said in a tirade, some of the things that you've done when times got tough, we can't get on them for responding the same way that we do. If, if you're getting nervous that we're only on number three here, I get to speak again. And so I'm only going to cover the first four. You are to save your notes, fold it up, put it in your Bible, and I will be speaking again before Pastor returns, and we're going to cover the, the second four. So number one, he was what? Human. Number two, he was humble. Number three, he was honest. Number four, he was honorable. Number four, he was honorable. Verse 18. Actually, let's, let's, let's keep reading, and we'll get to 18. Verse 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. So, lest you lost sight of what happened there, Jehaziel all of a sudden had the Spirit of the Lord come upon him by accident, no, by prayer and fasting. And 15, he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Well, that's good news, isn't it? The battle is not yours, but God's. That's timely news. It's good news. Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. More good news. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. So what was the instruction there? Stop. Be still. This battle is not yours. This battle is the Lord's. Verse 18. He was honorable, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. What a picture. What a picture of humility, isn't it? And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord and worshipped the Lord. Is this after the battle? No, this is before the battle. This is before the battle. He humbly bowed his head with his face to the ground and everyone followed suit. 
the rest of the people followed suit. I'm a big fan of uh, leadership books. I try to read a couple of year. One of the recent ones that I read stated, how do you know if you're leading? How do you know, dads, how do you know if you're leading? Well, one way is to turn around. If you turn around and no one's following you, I, I got some bad news. You're not leading. And in this case, Jehoshaphat had the entire inhabitants of Judah follow him in this humble praise and adoration. You know what that shows me? He was a leader. I'm going to study him. I'm going to study people like him that had people following him. He obviously had influence. If the entire nation knelt and prayed with him, he obviously had influence. I love that. He turned around and he had a nation following him. So what did the people under his leadership do? Verse 19, And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord of God of Israel with a loud voice on high. That was how they responded. They responded by praising the Lord. I find two things interesting. Uh, the first thing is nothing has happened yet. Right? The, the, the battle's not even taken place yet. Are they still surrounded? They're still surrounded. Are they still faced with an impossible situation? Do they, are they still facing bad news right in the face? Yes. What's their response? We're praising the Lord. Why? Because that's what our leader did. That's what dad did. In the face of an impossible situation, dad praised the Lord. That obviously must be right. I'm going to follow suit. Even before the victory, even before the battle, they were praising the Lord. Do you want to hear, dads, do you want to hear your kids praise the Lord? It's a beautiful sound. You want to hear your kids praise the Lord in the midst of an impossible situation? Model that for them. Just like Jehoshaphat did. Model that for them. So number one was he was human. Number two, he was humble. Number three, honest. Number four, he was honorable. Somebody worth honoring. Somebody worth following. I would have followed him. If I lived in Judah, I would have followed him. Even though we were surrounded, even though we were in an impossible situation, I would have followed him because of the way that he responded. Even when he said, I don't know what we're going to do. Typically, you would run from a leader that says, I don't know what we're going to do. I would have followed him. I would have followed him. And the next time, either, either next week or the week after, Pete and I are going to, uh, touch base here, but I, I am going to speak one more time, and it's going to be on the last four qualities, the last four attributes of, of being a godly father. Can I encourage you in the meantime, read the rest of the chapter. Read from verse 20 all the way to verse 30. 
in your quiet time with the Lord this week, read it each day. See what you glean from that chapter. It's a, it's a beautiful story. It's an incredible ending to the story. Read all the way through verse 30 and prepare your hearts for the next time when we, when we finish this. Dads, I want to encourage you. Somebody's always watching. Somebody's always watching. doesn't matter how old your kids are. They're still watching. You still have that influence over your kids. How are you responding to impossible situations. Because is character revealed on the mountaintop? It rarely, rarely is. Character is revealed in the valleys. Character is revealed when you're surrounded by an impossible situation. Your kids are watching. Your wife is watching. Be a godly example, just like Jehoshaphat was in this case. As we, as we end... Uh, John will come and lead us in a song. Maybe, maybe there's some fathers in here that have uh, been convicted this morning. Like, I am always protecting myself. I am always saying I know what to do. I'm always putting forth this false courage. You know what? I don't know what to do. I am afraid. I don't know what the future holds. And it's okay for your family to see that. It's okay for your wife, your kids to see that as long as it's followed up with, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Maybe there would be some dads that would need to say that publicly. Consider that. Pray. Pray for each other. John, would you come and lead us in a closing song?